Welcome back, everybody. It is episode 29 of the Gridirons and Goal Lines football podcast. We've missed you so much. My name's Angelo, and that's your co-host, Taylor. Taylor, say hi to everybody. It was Angelo's fault it's been so long this time. It was my fault. Been, so as you guys know, sometimes life gets in the way of us, and we are just a lovely two-man operation here. It, though we are professionals, life gets in the way. So, yeah, it's been a while. Sorry, my bad. Not even Taylor's bad. I do usually blame you for this, don't I, Taylor? Yeah, so so normally we, like, record an episode, and then I just sit on the, the raw, unedited version, just needing to do it and upload it, and then Angelo keeps yelling at me about it. But this time, this time he kept canceling recording sessions. Not my fault. I did. I did. I did. The wife and I have been moving into our new home, so... I just gave an excuse. I'm sounding like Taylor already. I'm sorry, everybody. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. All right, guys. So we're talking about our division reviews here. It's the big one. Well, at least the big one to us. It's the AFC South. And we've given each other strict strict guidelines on how to do this episode. So we won't follow those. And just uh, enjoy the next two hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, wait, so, two hours uh, may sound long, but we, we trimmed it down a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just because you guys remember, so one division per episode <clears throat> over the next eight episodes. We've only got uh, this one and then two more left, so that's exciting. Uh, we're going to be going into in-depth research on the on uh, what each division has been doing this offseason, so each team in those divisions. So free agent signing, staff personnel changes, draft picks. Uh, we're also going to be picking a winner and a loser of each offseason and highlighting some uh, stuff on that. Now, I just want to remind everybody that we are recording remotely, so we're probably, you know, we may experience some technical difficulties, so please work with us on that. So before we head into AFC South, Taylor, where can everyone find us out in the world? Oh, man, uh, you know, just about everywhere, uh, you know. Uh, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, usually YouTube, unless I'm feeling lazy, uh, yeah. you know. And I don't even know. I, I don't even know what three of those are. So if you do, good for you. Uh, and then, obviously, another thing you want to do is, even though we may not be active, uh, well, not active. Even though we're not smart and diligent and get our episodes out every week on the dot, uh, that Twitter account is active. So it's at g g o a l l i n e s. That's the Great Irons and Goal Lines Football Podcast Twitter. You've got to go and follow that thing because I'm hilarious. And uh, I like to really kind of just, you know, throw some shade at people sometimes and have some fun with uh, with P- with uh, PPF because everyone knows that they are just, you know, groundbreaking, groundbreaking uh, football research team over there. <laughs> so if you want to see me troll those guys, uh, you got to follow that Twitter because uh, I like to have a good time with it and everything. So and that's the best way to interact with us, too. If you want us to talk about something in particular, uh, you, you have a question for us that you would like us to, to kind of ponder on, tweet us your questions. That'd be great. All right, so we're going to head into the AFC South now. Uh, just a reminder, we uh, we picked the teams in line with how the they finish in their division. So, of course, we're going to start with the Houston Texans. So, Bill O'Brien is the best way to describe the Texans in their offseason this year. I think that we can start crowning a new phrase. We can say, oh, look, my team just built it, or wow, that's a real O'Brien move. Um, I said that with a lot more positive inflection than what anyone should probably say that about the <laughs> the Texans offseason. So O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins, an arguably top three wide receiver talent in the NFL, and truly the last offensive weapon in Houston to Arizona, along with a fourth-round pick for David Johnson, a second-rounder this year, and a fourth-round next year. It does not take a genius to know that this is a bad trade. This only caused more of a riffle between Deshaun Watson and O'Brien, per reports, which is worth 
noting, if trading Hopkins was a good move, what should the trade have looked like? Should David Johnson be excited about his new surroundings? Like, how do we break this down, Taylor? So I don't actually think that the trade, at least in theory, was as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Ooh, uh, hot take. That's a hot take. But here's the problem. Okay, so first of all, so DeAndre Hopkins is a phenomenal wide receiver talent. But, like, phenomenal wide receivers aren't necessarily as important as they used to be. You can get by a lot on just, like, really good wide receivers. Um, And, like, having a better quarterback is way more important than wide receivers. I mean, you look at OBJ in Cleveland, and he did nothing last year, right? So it's not all on the wide receiver or anything uh, like maybe it used to be. The, The problems with this trade involve how massive david johnson's contract is and maybe not getting enough value for it like i i think i think the texans could afford to lose deandre hopkins but they had to get more for it and not like such a crazy david johnson contract and then the other big issue with it is just how much deshaun watson didn't like it and you really got to keep your young star qb happy yeah i think that's the big issue is deshaun watson is just not in a good mood about this right now. And you make a really good point about David Johnson's contract. Uh, he's, I think he's, he's still getting paid $13 million this year, which I think right now is the third or fourth highest contract this year for running backs. And I'm a huge David Johnson fan, but I can even admit he's not been the same since, you know, his really big breakout year and everything. So that's definitely a concern. I think to answer the question I posed, I do think David Johnson should be excited about his new surroundings. I think he's going to be – in a system that maybe he's trusted a little bit more and is going to get a few more opportunities. And I think that he and Deshaun Watson are going to mesh really well, depending on what type of offense O'Brien decides to run this year. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, over at Arizona, it's really becoming the, the you know, Cliff and Kyler show. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely throwing the ball a lot over there. Don't have as much of a need for like a workhorse back like David Johnson. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and David Johnson is not a small running back. Like he, He's a pretty built guy. So I definitely, I like, I'm, I'm happy for David Johnson. Uh, I still, like you said, I don't think the trade was very good. I don't think that the, the Texans got out of the trade what they could have gotten out of the trade. I'm totally fine with trading DeAndre Hopkins, but there had to probably been a little bit more to make that trade a little bit better. There are only like three players in the league that are untradeable. Yeah, pretty much. That's a really good way to put it, and I think people need to realize that is everybody is tradable. So... All right, in an attempt to please Watson and the fans, the, te- the Texans did sign uh, Randall Cobb, who is 29 years old now, to a three-year $27 million deal. Cobb has been a slot presence his whole career and a decent one too, but how do we feel about his, this contract considering the Hopkins trade and the need for explosive talent for this team? Yeah, so I think he's actually a really good acquisition. Uh, a veteran slot receiver is really good for younger quarterbacks. Sean Watson's been around a few years now. He doesn't need it as much, but it's still really nice to have. I think the contract is a bit steep, but it's not crazy high. You know, I'd like to see him more at the, the seven a year mark than the nine, but. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, The Texas did make some free agency moves to address their secondary, which was bottom 10 in most categories last season. The Texans also used their first two picks in the draft on defensive linemen. But other than that, there were no big-time moves for this team. Are we concerned with the lack of big-play talent on this team now, considering DeAndre Hopkins gone, uh, considering you know they didn't really add anything big-time to the offense and the defense isn't looking much better? Uh, as far as big play, uh, 
you know, I'm not really that concerned about it. Uh, as much as you hate to admit it, Deshaun Watson is a very good and mobile quarterback. He can make things happen on his own. You know, the, the defense probably should have been addressed a bit more, but I wouldn't be too concerned about their offense. I could definitely see an argument for that. Like I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I, I do think that Sean Watson's talent begins and ends with his ability to throw the bar, to throw the ball as hard as he can, as far as he can. But in that equation, he always had Hopkins catching the ball. And now he's got Will Fuller, maybe Kenny Stills, depending on what happens with this felony charge. Um, well, actually, what I'm reading here, the, the felony charge was dropped. So he should be good to go for this season, uh, pretending he doesn't get in any more trouble. All right, so let's move on to the second in the division. It was the Colts. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, no, that's wrong, Taylor. The Colts didn't finish second in the division last year. The yeah, it's right. almost like our star quarterback retired before the season, and then our <laughs> other starting quarterback got hurt. It's crazy how stuff happens like that. So the Tennessee Titans were second in the division this year. Uh, <laughs> the biggest coaching change in this division was probably uh, when Dean Pease retired from his position at defensive coordinator. The Titans have been offensively struggling for the last first you know years now, but since 2018, the Titans' defense has been top in most areas in large part to the coaching of Dean Pease. As of now, head coach Mike Rabel looks to be assuming defensive coordinator responsibilities. This typically does not work out very well for teams. Uh, the top de- defensive coordinator candidates this year was possibly like Jim Schwartz, but there's no evidence that he and the Titans even had any talks. Um, Taylor, how are you feeling about the – non-existence of a defensive coordinator right now for the Titans. Yeah, so like you said, it typically doesn't work out for teams, but if you're going to not have a defensive coordinator, I think Mike Vrabel being your head coach is not a particularly scary situation to be in. Yeah. Like, I feel like if, if anyone can get it done, you know, he's one of them. Yeah, that's probably a decent assessment. Um, the Titans ha- uh, have had a rocky offseason. It began with tagging Derrick Henry, uh, but now he signed his new deal. Uh, they gave Tannehill a four-year, $77 million contract, and they traded Pro Bowl defensive tackle Jarrell Casey to Denver for a seventh-round pick as they moved to clear up cap space. So far, the Titans have sat on that cap, cap space. Uh, they have a little bit more now due to the contract for Henry, so they've, they've actually increased their cap space a little bit. So most talks have Clowney taken a one-year deal here. Uh, Casey racked up 51 sacks in nine years. If the Titans get Clowney for a year, is this worth it? Any thoughts on if the Titans tagged the correct player? Uh, real quick, I have to do a little correction for you here. Okay. What's uh, that? You, you said the Tannehill contract was four years, $77 million? Yeah. It's it's a four-year, $118 million contract. Okay. It's I think it's 77 base with – it goes up to 118 with incentives. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, there's 62 million in guaranteed. Yeah, uh, 91 in total guarantees. But yeah, so he's we're basically looking at Tannehill getting paid uh, an average of it's like 29 million a year. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a pretty I, it's a pretty hefty contract, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that's and honestly that's what the se- let's go to my second question because since you're gonna bring up the contract, that's what I'm wondering is. I asked here if we thought the Titans tagged the correct player because, you know, they, they tag Henry and then they give him his contract. That's great. Awesome. Um, and, you know, we don't have this on here, but I think that I think the Henry contract is actually fine. I think the Henry contract's way better than the Tannehill contract. So I'm wondering if the Titans made a mistake here not tagging Tannehill instead. 
Yeah, since they were able to work out the deal with Henry, like, it, it's it's a good contract. Uh, you know, he's not getting shorted or anything, but they're not paying him an egregious amount. Uh, I Tannehill, like, $29 million a year for a quarterback right now isn't crazy, but I just have a feeling it's a bit high for Tannehill. I think so, if they, too. If they franchise tag him this year, it costs them $31 million, but then they can get a better assessment for a future contract for him because they only saw him play for like most of a year. Yeah, t- ten games in the off season so, or the, the the playoffs. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that as well. I definitely didn't think that the tagging was correct here. Um, and then even if you're going to look at the contract for Tannehill and the contract for Henry, they could have tagged Jack Conklin as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. then, you know, he walked. Now, uh, so how? Drill Casey's traded, frees up about twelve million cap space. Um, they got to get clowning to make this worth it, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, if if not, and we're going to go into more uh, pass rush here, but this division, you need a good pass rush in this division right now, especially with the with the rival of Philip Rivers and Indy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially like the Colts' offensive line is actually crazy good. Yeah. And that's not probably, fan bias here. No, it's probably if the best in the league. If your pass rush isn't good, you're just not pass rushing against the Colts. Yeah. And the Colts have like the least mobile quarterback in the league. Like that's their definite like weakness right now. And if you can't ex- even try to exploit that at all, then you're probably going to have problems. I agree. Uh, the Titans passed on re-signing Jack Conklin, as we said, and Logan Ryan, a defensive back. However, the Titans did draft Isaiah Wilson and Christian Fulton to replace the four-year tackle and veteran corner. How do we feel about the Titans passing on Conklin and Ryan, but then drafting young, high-rounders as replacements? Is this the, is this the kind of – because, Taylor, you've talked about how drafting younger players in these situations can sometimes be the more correct decision. Do you think that this was probably – considering all the money that's being thrown around with this team right now, is that probably what the correct choice was? Yeah, I mean, basically, at every point you have to move on from a player. Um, I mean, you know, not to bring up the Colts again, like they, they had found a chance to move on from Peyton Manning, of all people. Right. And it, it worked out until this year. Um, <laughs> so it, every player has a point where you have to move on from them pretty much. And, uh, you know, Jack Conklin is still really good, but the money was becoming too high and you can't pay everyone. So you have to pick and choose. Yeah. Do you think uh, looking at who they did pick and choose are, do you agree right now with the, with the moves of the Titans? You know, the thing about draft picks is it's like basically impossible to truly evaluate them until you see them play, you know, on paper, I don't disagree with what they did. They, they, you know, it could look out to be a really good decision a year from now or a really bad one. Uh, we'll just have to see. Yeah. So outside of those first two selections, the Titans had a pretty quiet draft. They drafted a replacement backup running back in the third round, but ignored drafting a pass rusher. Vic Beasley was picked up for a one-year deal at $9.5 million. The former defensive MVP dipped in production in 2017-2018, but saw a resurgence this last season with eight sacks. Harold Landry heading into his third season now for the Titans just came off of a nine sack season considering the Colts offensive line, which you've already talked about this, but also the mobility of Sean Watson, the Titans uh, need to make better things happen at pass rush here. We've kind of already touched on this with, with Clowney. They have to get Clowney for the pass rush to make sense here. Yeah. So we talk about, uh, which we'll get into this, but Deshaun Watson's mobility, Colts O-line, poor Gardner Minshew. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we will definitely get into that. But uh, definitely, we and when you look at the offensive line of the Titans as well, like there are there are two great offensive lines and two quarterbacks that can really exploit having you know you know like we have Sean Watson and Philip Rivers. So it's gonna be really interesting what the passing game this year looks like in the South. Uh, let's move on to the Colts now. So Philip Rivers is the new gunslinger in Indy. Uh, and I'm going to let Taylor give us his brief account of this journey uh, to Rivers from a fan's view. Okay, I, so I, if you want the whole journey, so okay, I think I think I did my mini rant on this before, but yeah. I'm going to to recap. Okay, so we were mid uh, fantasy football draft when the news broke about Andrew Luck retiring, and <laughs> literally, uh, literally blacked out his name as it happened. <laughs> like I. Look, I, I'm a grown man. I, I cried. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I, I cried. Ooh, uh, real, real uh, quick, because he's one of our listeners. Johnny, remember, it's your fault because you wore the Deion Sanders jersey and you joked that it was a Bob Sanders jersey. So this is your fault. You you, you jinxed it. Okay. So so then, you know, the, the season starts and we've got Jacoby Brissett. And it's like, well, you know, he's been, he looked okay, you know, whatever. We had to put our faith somewhere, and we put in <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. And then the first, like, eight games of the season, he was a top three quarterback. It was nuts. He was popping off. He was, like, second in the league in touchdown passes. Uh, his efficiency was great. And then he got hurt for one game. Brian Hoyer comes in, throws zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Jacoby Brissett comes back. Everything's horrible. Adam Vinatieri can't kick anymore, right? So then the offseason comes around, and it's like, all right, well, we need to look at getting somebody here, right? And then we hear, well, wait. Tom Brady is leaving New England. And like like I said, I already did my mini rant. Philip Rivers is fine. Two years ago, he was like an MVP candidate. Like, last year he wasn't good, but he knew he was leaving. He was checked out. But why are you interested in Phillip Rivers and not remotely interested in Tom Brady? <laughs> I don't get it. I'd be, like, if they tried to get Tom Brady and failed, I would accept Philip Rivers as my consolation prize. <laughs> it's not what happened, and I'm sad. And that's the episode, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so the Colts did make some big-time moves. Uh, through trading, they essentially drafted DeForest Buckner with their first-round selection uh, in that trade with the 49ers. Uh, this is likely to turn out well for both parties. Trey Burton and Xavier Rhodes were two other significant veteran additions for the Colts. Taylor, uh, will Burton and Rhodes be a big difference from Ebron and Desir? Uh, Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, so, so just so everyone wants – Eric Ebron and Pierre Desir uh, departed from the Colts, and so they so the Colts brought in uh, Trey Burton and, and Xavier Rhodes. Yeah. So the thing about Xavier Rhodes, I think he's a bit better than Desir, but like definitely older. Yeah. Um. So there could be some regression, not as much longevity, but I mean he's he's really good. Yeah, I, I would agree. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this next part now, uh, and. It, I've got positive things and negative things, so here we go. So within eight picks in the second round of the draft, the Colts were able to draft both Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor, which is insane. In the third round, they get Julian Blackman. However, and this is, but this is my issue, though, because like, honestly, I was so impressed when in, within eight picks they got both these guys in the second round. I was like, this is, this is insane. 
However, when Taylor was selected, the Colts had opportunities at some of the top safeties in the draft still. Instead, they went with a selection that collided with the consistent Marlon Mack. Mack just had a 1,000-yard season and nearly hit that mark two years ago in the sophomore campaign. What sense can we make out of taking Taylor over a prominent safety? Does this say more what the Colts intend to do with Marlon Mack after this year? Uh, essentially, the move makes no sense to me because I think Marlon Mack is probably a top-five AFC running back. You could probably definitely argue him in the top eight of the NFL. So I would like to start by saying, and I know Angelo knows this, but for my fans out there, I love Marlon Mack. Like, when, the last time I went to buy a Colts jersey, he was in the top three for, like, options. Uh, I ended up going with Darius Leonard because it's Darius Leonard. But, man, I love Marlon Mack. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I like his running style a lot. That being said... I, I think a lot, not all, but a lot of his success does stem from how good the Colts' offensive line is. And he's had some uh, injuries over his three years playing. So Okay. So do you think that – so Jonathan Taylor is really great. I mean, honestly, if you don't know who Jonathan Taylor is, then you didn't watch a single game of college football. Uh, great West, Wisconsin running back. They just seem to be able to turn those guys out left and right usually. So, But that's kind of what I'm concerned about, though, is – I know that there were some concerns at the safety position for the Colts, and there there were some safeties that they could have taken here instead of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and I'm just wondering if, I mean, are you as a fan, Taylor, are you confident with this move? So here's the thing. We, we talked about willingness to, to move on. And you, as a not-biased Colts fan, are putting Marlon Mack as potentially top eight running back in the league. He's going to be a free agent next year. Man, and that, if that was, you think, yeah, that was my next question for you. <laughs> if, if you think that, you know, what what is he going to expect to get paid? And if it is mostly the offensive line here, and we've got we access to a, to a talent like Jonathan Taylor, maybe we have to move off of Marlon Mack. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, you know, I'm definitely interested to see what happens with Marlon Mack. I like him a lot, but as a Titans fan, I'll be okay if he leaves. <laughs> Sure, he can head out. That's fine. Uh, Until Jonathan Taylor runs all over you. We shall see. So in the fourth round of the draft, the Colts went with Jacob Eason. Rivers is on a one-year deal. He is not playing the same football he was several years ago. Taylor already said that. According to Taylor, Eason is the guy the Colts wanted. So what does this year's offseason with Eason and Jonathan Taylor say about the future of this team, Taylor? I don't know. <laughs> uh, there, there, are, there are worse quarterbacks you could learn from than than Philip Rivers, and like I said, the even though I wanted like a Jordan Love type, apparently the Colts were just eyeballing Jacob Eason the whole time, and that's who they wanted. And I mean, by many accounts, that's kind of who the Patriots wanted, and you know they they stole him away from from Belichick, I guess, but. You know who Jacob Beeson could have really learned some stuff from? Tom Brady. I'm not going to get off of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, let's move on to everyone's favorite team in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, I don't have much. Okay, so we'll see you guys next week. 
Hey, um, hey, hey. Gardner, right, Gardner Minshew. Fine, fine. I'll talk about the stupid Jaguars. And Here's Gardner you. Minshew. You're right. You're right. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Okay. Okay. Doug Marone. Ah, dang it. No, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Marone is somehow still the head coach for the Jags, and they have uh, they have brought in another offensive coordinator. This time, Jay Gruden will be calling the plays. The last time Gruden was an offensive coordinator was with the Bengals between 2011 and 2013, in which the Bengals made the playoffs every year and won the division in 2013, which helped him get his head coaching opportunity in Washington. How do we feel about Gruden with Minshew this year? Um, I mean, I, li- I like Gruden uh, a lot, actually. I think he's going to be a very solid uh, play caller. I think he's probably going to be the best coach on the team, likely well, at that's, this point. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that uh, I think if you look at the candidates that were available, this was probably the best option for Gardner Minshew. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like the Jags. Okay, I hate the Jags. I I despise them so much. But I like Gardner Minshew a lot, and I hope he does well enough to keep his job after this year. And getting Jay Gruden may be the key to that. I don't know. Um, now the Jags dumped veteran presence this offseason. Nick Foles was traded to the Bears for a fourth rounder. That was mostly a cap space move. Uh, then Clive Campbell was traded to the Ravens for a fifth rounder. Truly, both of these moves were driven by cap space issues because Clive Campbell also carried quite a bit of money as well. Was moving from Foles the right move? Is Minshew the quarterback of the future, or is he a way to sell tickets right now? Which, ironically, may not even happen. Uh, yeah, so the, the ticket sales might not happen. I, As much as it pains me, I don't think he's the quarterback of the future. I think the Jaguars are good enough at being awful enough that the, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Oh, gosh. I don't even want that. I, I think Jaguars fans just need to understand that they're never going to get thirteen and three again. And they're never going to touch that AFC Championship game again. You guys they just, might with Trevor Lawrence. Maybe we'll see. Well, they've got to build about uh, I don't know uh, twenty or yeah. They, they need to build twenty one other starting positions after that. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Trevor Lawrence is worth six wins on his own. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the defense was then upgraded a bit with signing Joe Schobert, uh, who has the third most tackles in the last three seasons at linebacker and missed just three games in his four years of Cleveland. Rodney Gutner was picked up to replace the huge role that Clyde Campbell left. Gutner also has only missed three games in his five-year career with the Cardinals, where he also stacked up 126 tackles, 75 of which were just in the last two seasons. So he's sown a lot of production in the last couple of years. The Jaguars also picked up journeyman defensive tackle Al Woods, whom Taylor and I should be familiar with, uh, who will be heading into his 11th season and fresh off his second best season of his career statistically. And here's a little fun fact for you. Woods and Gutner combined for 635 pounds, which, <laughs> which with the declining weight of the average NFL line is pretty significant, actually. So that might be the Jaguars' defense. What's <laughs> our combined weight? I don't want to talk about it at the moment. Yannick Ngakwe is tagged, but he wants out of Jacksonville, and it could possibly happen. The Jacks also picked up veterans Rashawn Melvin to assist with the struggling secondary, and Cassius Marsh, a fan favorite pass rusher of myself and Taylor. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Jaguars had 12 picks this year in the draft, and honestly, they may have had one of the more balanced drafts this year. I'm not going to say it was great, but it was pretty balanced. They they touched in every area. The Jaguars drafted Josh Allen last year to assist to assist with the pass rush, and they stuck to that same model this year with drafting Kalevion Chasson 
in the first round, and they also nabbed C.J. Henderson in the first to hopefully begin to rebuild this defense. Uh, thanks to a wide receiver deep draft, the Jacks were also able to take LaVishka Sonault in the second round. So these three picks are really amazing to me. Um, good moves by the Jags, which they're not – we're not used to seeing them make good moves, so this was pretty impressive. Uh, considering the focus on defense – both through the draft and free agency, do we see this year as the turning point for this defense, Taylor, is or is or is Minshew just set up for failure? Uh, yeah, I think I don't think this is going to work out well for for old Gardner Minshew. Yeah, do we think that this defense is is going to start maybe looking like a shadow of its former self? Yeah, I mean, it does seem like they're acquiring some decent players who are good in similar ways to when they, they were that 13-3 and three team, but, like, good in similar ways, but not as good. Yeah. I think that, like, when it comes to defensive play in this division, I'm not sure if what the Jags did is, is going to be the difference maker between going, like, 2-14 and 14 and, like, 6-10. and 10. So. Yeah, so, so the problem with, with this division, like, if you look at, look at the Houston Texans, you have to deal with a very mobile and good Deshaun Watson airing out the ball, right? And then you have, like, the Titans with Derrick Henry just casually walking 250 yards a game, (laughs) you know? And then the Colts are kind of, like, a mixture of both, but without any mobility at all. But but probably the the best receiving core in the division. Yeah. Honestly, maybe the more talented offensive unit in the division right now. Yeah, if if they just put some wheels on Phil, uh, on Philip Rivers' walker, then like <laughs> they might actually have a good offense. Maybe maybe he can uh, maybe he can strap some of his kids to his uh, pants. He can throw them at people as they come near him. <laughs> <laughs> He'd never run out. All right, uh, Taylor, who won the AFC South this offseason? Who was the biggest loser? Uh, so the the winner I do think was actually the Colts. Okay. Uh DeForest Buckner is going to be really good. Uh, they they had a good draft for themselves, and you know if Philip Rivers is what he was two years ago, then I think that this team is definitely in a good place to win the division. Now, if Philip Rivers it plays like he did last year, then they're not the big winners. But as a hopeful Colts fan, uh, I I've just gotta gotta hope that Philip Rivers was checked out last year and he's not gonna be here. I'm gonna say my I'm gonna say because uh, because sometimes we get a little unconventional with these things. I'm gonna say the biggest I'm gonna say the the, the people who won the AFC South offseason are the fans of the Titans because they paid <laughs> they paid their running back they got their quarterback that they think is going to lead them to the playoffs again. I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying that the fans typically do, and you know they got to keep some pieces that they really want. So. Uh, I'm saying the Titans fans because they have a they have a glimmer of hope for the first time in a long time. <laughs> now the biggest loser, I think, no matter how you cut it, it's Gardner Minshew. Really? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say I was gonna say Texans fans. <laughs> oh well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> that's 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 my pick because I, I don't know if any Texans fan is happy right now. <laughs> Or probably the biggest loser itself is just Deshaun Watson. Actually, that could be true. Ooh, who's a bigger loser, Deshaun Watson or Gardner Minshew? I mean, Deshaun Watson, Gardner Minshew doesn't have as much to. to, to I, mean, I guess like, that's we, true. We expect right? like, more out of uh, out of Deshaun Watson. Like Gardner Minshew is just ticket bait. 
This time last year, Gardner Minshew didn't know he was going to walk on a football field during a game. Like, yeah, exactly. Like at this point, he he like he's like I'm MVP in my mind. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if he has any sort of uh, mentality, uh, like like being a, okay with being a backup. Like maybe he's hype about getting Trevor Lawrence because then he'll get to sit safely on the bench for like five years. So so. And just... So he's like Alex Moran in Blue Mountain Moran. State. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you were getting at? And you, and you were hoping I was going to get the reference? Yes. Yes. It's Alex Moran in Blue Mountain State. Uh, okay. So what was the biggest need filled and what was the biggest need ignored, Taylor? Um, this is a so tough the biggest, one. I think this one's so difficult. I, I think the biggest need filled uh, was the quarterback position for the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the biggest need ignored was the quarterback position for the Indianapolis Colts. Oh my gosh! Okay, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. Okay, so if I'm gonna be actually like serious about this at all, uh, I I do think the Colts needed to address the the quarterback position. I don't know if it was quite as desperate as other positions, but they did address it. As far as things that needed addressed but weren't, uh. I don't know. I, th- I feel like maybe the, the Texans could have done more with the, the wide receiver position after trading DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, maybe they could have used a general manager or a head coach. Yeah, that's probably, or, that's probably the biggest need ignored, right, is just structure within the Texans organization. Or a new head coach at Jacksonville. Yeah. Or a better or nicer fans in Jacksonville. Ugh! Don't even get me started about the Jacksonville fans. You guys are the worst. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the biggest need filled. Um, I guess it's the Colts. People who know me know that I'm actually a Brissett believer. I think that Brissett, with the correct quarterback coaching, I think could have been like a safer but better version of Jameis Winston. Yeah, but you've also been a Philip Rivers believer for the past thirty years, so Yeah, I've I've been a pretty big Philip Rivers guy as far as like he's a future MVP, yada yada, blah 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 blah. Uh so yeah, maybe I don't know. Um but I think also so. probably the biggest need filled was was the was the Titans kind of taking care of making sure they had a quarterback this year. Uh because people think that Mariota yeah. was the answer, but I mean I'm a fanboy that loved Mariota. But anyway, uh, so real quick, everybody, uh, <laughs> uh, we do know that there's been a lot that's happening in the last few weeks. We completely plan on updating you guys all on the big contracts. Um, maybe we'll talk about some of the NFLPA stuff. I don't know. Uh, we totally plan on addressing all those things. We're going to be doing a cleanup episode after we're done with the division reviews. So we have yeah, two. Have- plus, guys, we, we know. We know about the Mahomes contract. Yes, I promise we, we do. We, we still understand. need to talk about the AFC West. Okay? Yes. It'll be in two episodes. We'll get to it then. I promise we have opinions. Yes. Don't worry. We've been talking about it. Trust me. If you could Angelo's see opinions are wrong, but we have them. Whoa, okay then. Uh, but yeah, we, we will get to everything. Uh, we know that we know that teams are doing some some uh, money moves. They're making money moves, Taylor. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Mm. All right, everybody. So that is your episode on the AFC South, and we did it in about an hour and a half less time than we thought. So that's actually pretty impressive for us. Yeah, go us. Uh, we didn't we didn't say half the stuff we wanted to say. I did. I, I got a little loud, but I didn't actually yell about the Tom Brady thing this time. <laughs> you didn't. That's good. I'm proud of you. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we will see you next time with the NFC West.
Bye. Bye.